About 22 years ago, me and Hayward Duke was minding our own business at the Shoney's, which is now out of business. And um, just mind our own business. And here comes Brother Dean McNeese. He's here tonight. Thank God for him. And uh, I did baptize him, and he came back up. But uh, um, they walked in, and he introduced me to Brother um, Chris. That's your name. Chris. And, and uh, boy, I'm going to tell you, we're, we're close. I just don't know his name. But, uh, uh, and he, he was going out to Colorado. So we got behind it. And before that, he worked here for a, a year or so and led the youth. And, boy, it was a blessing. And we just got so close. And now he's back in God's country, Georgia. Amen. Uh, and they need all the help. We need all the help we can get. And uh, so I want you to back him up in prayer and attendance. And you have done that. It's good attendance. And attention and a little enthusiasm. Praise God. If, you, if he says something you agree with, or the, you ought to say amen. Or at least nod your head and come back up. Amen. And some of you glory class that ate so much, it's going to be hard for you to do that. But we're going to try Amen. So, Brother Chris, you come on up and mind the Lord. Appreciate you, brother. Uh, he's like a real brother to me, and I appreciate him so much. Appreciate his family. And uh, they're having a McNeese reunion around here, too. Amen. Praise God. Three rows of them. Amen. That's dangerous. But anyway, amen. Good to see you, brother. Amen. Appreciate you. Amen. Just preach. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, I have to say it is a blessing to be here. Amen. And uh, you all hold a special place. In our hearts, I was just thinking last time we were here, Caleb was just born. Yeah. I mean, before we left, it wasn't the last time we were here. But uh, <laughs> Matter of fact, Caleb right now at this moment has COVID over there at Bible College in uh, South Carolina. But uh, he was born here and um, uh, it was uh, 21 years ago almost to right now that uh, we left to go out to uh, Colorado. Amen. And I can't believe it's, uh, it's been that long, uh, but my goodness, isn't it something how the Lord brings everything and turns everything around? Amen. I think uh, last, that, that 21 years ago, Kyle and Chelsea were right up here Amen. quoting verses uh, and acting them out. And yeah. uh, you remember all that? Yeah. yeah. But it's good to have Kyle here, and he's come... Him and his wife, Hannah, have come to work with us down there in Rome. And uh, so we appreciate that. Uh, you be in prayer for them. They're just, I mean, they're just getting settled in and uh, going to be commuting an hour just to get down there and help us down there. So you be in prayer for them. But it's so good to see all of you here. Some of you uh, I just met. Some of you I've known for years. And uh, some of you I've just, I know, but I've forgotten. And... Uh, <laughs> I'm at that age. He don't know my name, so I don't even feel bad saying that. And we're going to get into the Word of God tonight. I wanted to get in here. And um, before I do this, of course, I love uh, Brother and Sister Cofield. Uh, it's, uh, it's good to have uh, Dean. God has uh, put me and Dean together many years ago. And I thank God for him being here. But most of all, I'm thankful for my wife. Amen. And I mean yes. that. And if you knew me, you would say amen right there. Right. <laughs> and, uh, but I mean that. And I, she's, not only did she follow me across America, but she's followed me back. That's right. And I thank God for that. Sure. And I appreciate her. And love you. Thank God for you. I, honestly, I wanted to do a lot of different things for tonight. And I'm going to be honest with you, I'm just burdened. I'm just burdened. And um, I want the Lord, I want to obey the Lord. And um, <clears throat> I don't know what else to do other than to just do what I was told. And I say that because it doesn't always work like that because I can be stubborn. I'm not saying that in pride. I'm saying that in shame. Why God would use any of us, I'll never know. But I sure am glad for that. But I want you to know that tonight, we're going to be in 2 Samuel chapter 12. Before you turn, you can go ahead and turn there, but this is the story around David and Bathsheba. 
In chapter 11, we see this horrible sin. Don't you know that horrible sin led to another one? And that in turn led to another one. And that in turn led to another one. It just goes on and on and on and on, doesn't it? And as we look and consider David and Bathsheba, even in chapter 11, you're gonna find out that it was a time that kings go forth to battle, but David stayed at the palace. Figured he would just wait while he was there being led forth of his own, the baseness of man, saw things, but then he lusted after things and coveted things and took her unto himself. I'll be honest with you. I've, during this time, I've had several messages over the last number of weeks that I've wanted to preach, but this is the one that the Holy Ghost has born in my heart. It's not a wonderful message on prophecy. It's not about the power of God. It's a message that is personal and private. Normally, these are not the types of messages that you go and preach when you're preaching out. I'm just going to be honest with you. Especially in their home church. People that they love. Because it's a message that exposes what we are and it teaches everything about us to us. You know, we're living in dangerous days. Remember a number of years ago, Brother Cofield told me that our churches are messed up because our homes are messed up. I'm going to take that a step further. Our homes are messed up because we are messed up. See, this always comes down to an individual problem too, doesn't it? We have more spiritual activity than ever before, and yet we're more carnal than ever before. We have great heirs, but few prayers. We talk of how we can mitigate devils, but we're more medicated than ever before. We talk about how we want what's best for our children and yet we turn them out unfettered to the internet. Look if you would at chapter 12 now. With all of these things, everything leading up, with David committing this adulterous sin with Bathsheba that was compounded later by the murder of Uriah. Chapter 12, I'm going to ask if you would to stand for the reading of the Word of God here. And the Lord sent Nathan unto David. And he came unto him and said unto him, There were two men in one city, the one rich and the other poor. The rich man had exceeding many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing save one little ewe lamb, which he had bought and nourished up, and it grew up together with him and with his children. It did eat of his own meat and drank of his own cup and lay in his bosom and was under him as a daughter. And there came a traveler. Now, I'll be honest with you, that's what we're preaching on tonight. The traveler. And there came a traveler unto the rich man. And he spared to take of his own flock and of his own herd to dress for the wayfaring man that was coming to him but took the poor man's lamb and dressed it for the man that was come to him. David's anger was greatly kindled against the man, and he said to Nathan, As the Lord liveth, the man that hath done this thing shall surely die, and he shall restore the lamb fourfold 
because he did this thing and because he had no pity. And Nathan said to David, Thou art the man. You can be seated. Lord, I pray that you'd help us tonight. God, there's so many things, Lord, even you know in my heart, God, throughout the day, when I drove onto this parking lot, and as I've been seated in the pew, God, you know my heart has been asking you, are you sure? You know my heart, has been saying, but Lord, what about something else? And Lord, all I know, God, is that I'm burdened tonight. Lord, I pray that your word would go out. I pray that it would bring forth fruit. And I pray that our hearts, our minds, our thoughts would be centered upon you, that you might be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. I can only imagine that morning when the man of God, Nathan, woke up from his slumber and rubbed his eyes and said, well, <laughs> today's the day. Today's the day. Today is going to be the telltale sign of this glorious kingdom. He would find out that day if David truly was a man after God's own. I wonder if maybe as he went, he was wondering if he would even return home that night. Perhaps Nathan, though he would give him the word of God, I wonder if maybe his heart pounded with every footstep as he left his house, strode his way up to the path. He would still stand. Nathan would still get. Nathan would still be true to the word of God. He had already contemplated everything that God had laid upon his heart to say. He already had the message that he would give. And I think that the question entered his mind that would make, he, he, he said, I wonder what would make David think? What would make David hear? What would appeal to the righteousness of a man that was hardened by his own carnality? This sense of judgment all he had left to appeal to David. In four short verses, verses one through four of chapter two, and really it's just even half of verse one, three and a half verses, in a moment, he spun David around and David was ready unknowingly but to commence judgment even upon his own self. He had made a story that would make any good king vehement about the holiness of God and about the baseness of man. And he, in a few sentences, he brought it around and just said clearly and plainly, thou art the man. But this message tonight, as I've already mentioned to you, it's not about David. It's not about Bathsheba. It's not about Uriah. It's not about anybody even in the parable. It's not about the rich man. It's not about the poor man. It's not about the little lamb that was slain. This thing tonight is about this mysterious travel that came by his way. I do want to quickly say that this message is not only about adultery and fornication, although they're included. Can I just say it like this? Every person has a trap. 
a traveler that will come by your way. At some time, matter of fact, it won't just be one time, you'll find out that he'll visit you often. Just coming by to see what he can find, just coming by to see what he can do. I, I believe that this thing, it all has to do with the wickedness of man. I believe it covers a much bigger topic than just those things that we're reminded of in this story. I believe it's a, a message and a thought about our lusts, about our appetites. I believe it has to do with those things that tempt us and those things that we are already inclined to do in our own flesh. The Bible says in James 1, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Mm. We all have our own custom-made sin because even in those verses it said this, then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. It had also said earlier in that, in verse number 14, that every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust. You realize, by the way, that it might not be your lust that tempts me. And it might not be my lust or appetites or desires that tempt you. Don't we all have our own in some way, shape, or fashion? The good news is, though, that we're also reminded, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, there had no temptation taken ye, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that which ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear. Now, as we look here for just a few minutes tonight, this traveler shows up, and in a moment, this traveler, this one traveler that Nathan named, excuse me, he does not give him a name, but he mentions him, and in that moment, he changes the entire political landscape, not just of any nation, but of the nation of God's people. Not only that, he changed up the direction of a home. Not only that, he changed the direction of multiple lives at the same time. I'm just asking, would you think with me for a little bit here? Awesome preaching in August will begin again next week. This right here is just a message. A message from my heart, and I can't explain these things. I, you know, a lot of times, I, especially if I get up to preach, I, I, I often I have joy. I have such a, such a passion about those things. But this one, uh, for some reason, and I don't know why, I can't explain it, but I feel burdened. I feel burdened tonight. So what is it about this traveler? This mysterious person. A name. Nobody knows. Nobody knows where he came from. Nobody knows what he does. He just shows up. I'm just going to give you a couple things tonight that I want you to write down. Maybe you can look at them again later. I'll tell you this though. The traveler loves isolation. The traveler loves isolation. If you look again, I know I mentioned it already, but look at chapter 11 and verse number 1. The Bible says, And it came to pass after the year was expired, at the time when kings go forth to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they destroyed the children of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David tarried still at Jerusalem. Oh, the traveler loves to isolate. The traveler loves to isolate you. By the way, don't you know that it is the old adage, he loves to divide and conquer. He loves to segregate you off. 
He loves to, to, to pull off from the herd one and cause them to pull away so that he might make him just easy pickings for you. Let me tell you something. You better be careful, flock of God. You better be careful, sheep of God. You better be careful, little children that are here. You better be careful, big strapping man. You better be careful, mom and grandma. You better be careful because we all have a traveler that's going to come our way at one time or another. He loves to section off. He loves to make you alone. It's exactly what happened back in the garden where somehow Adam was mysteriously gone. And guess who showed up? The devil, the serpent in the garden. And who did he find? He found the woman by herself. And now that she was by herself, the great traveler that just showed up, he began to pose questions. Oh, non-threateningly, by the way, he doesn't have to threaten. That's already disguised and hasn't he masked it well? I'm sorry, did I use a word I wasn't supposed to use there? He masks everything oh so well, doesn't he? Hmm. So in a moment, David thought that he was free from any authority over him. Matter of fact, that was the problem with most kings. It's still the problem with most monarchs and most presidents around the world. They think not only they can do no wrong, and by the way, it doesn't matter who or what side is in. Can I get an amen? Free from authority. David thought, hey, even me being there, though I would still be king out on the battlefield, nobody can confront me here. All of the men are gone. All of the mighty men are gone. There ain't nobody here but me. Huh. Not only is it free from that, but also free from responsibility. Can I get an amen? And don't we all like that a little bit? Free from responsibility. Free. <laughs> so we can be freed up to do what we want to do. Yeah. I got a question. How's that isolation working out for you? Oh, yet the other side comes and they say, well, what about the isolation of John on Patmos? I'm glad you brought that up. Hmm. You see, isn't there a difference, though, between <laughs> the isolation on Patmos because of persecution from the isolation in the palace for pleasure. Hmm. Isolation. See, one <laughs> happens because of virtue. And the other one happens because of vileness. Oh, friend. Let me tell you something. You better be careful about this isolationism, always trying to pull off. And by the way, I'm speaking to you personally. I hope you understand that. I'm not talking generically tonight. I'm not talking about the church as a whole. I'm talking about you individually. I'm talking about real things, how you always want to get alone and do your own thing. Why? Why? Oh, I'm not saying you can't. Be alone. Don't misunderstand me. But the idea of isolation. How about this one? Look again, if you would, at chapter 12. Chapter 12. Chapter 12. And look, if you would, at verse number 4. Not only do we see that he loves to isolate. Number 2, he lives in itinerancy. See this in verse number four. And there came a traveler unto the rich man, and he spared to take of his own flock and of his own herd to dress for the, what's the next two words? Wayfaring man. That was come unto him. Do you hear all of these things? He just sort of shows up unannounced and expects you to help him. By the way, I don't know about you, but isn't that the exact way your lust and your appetites work? They just sort of show up unannounced. Somebody help me right there. 
They show up when you least expect it and they show up and they tempt you and they pull your heart away from God. And in that moment, all of a sudden you're just like, I don't know. I don't even know where it came from. Of course you don't know where it came from. That's what the traveler does. He just likes to show up whenever he wants to. He's not going to give you a telegram. He's not going to say, listen, watch out. I'm going to drop by on this day. Oh, no, that'll never happen like that. He likes to work in secrecy. He loves to make you think, oh, my goodness. And when he shows up, though he is unannounced, he believes that you ought to drop everything and listen to what he says. Excuse me, is it just me? Or, I mean, uh, am I the only one that's lived this life or do you know what I'm talking about? Do you know about your traveler that comes your way and doesn't he do these very things in your life too? And now um, he'll try and isolate you. By the way, that's just the first step. But now he, he, he loves to live in itinerancy. And by the way, let me just say it like this. It says here further that he was a wayfaring man. He was homeless. You say, well, Aren't we too? No. I'm not homeless. I'm just a pilgrim. But I've got me a home on the other side. Boy, this, isn't it somehow you can never nail him down. You can never make sure you know where he came from. He lives in this thing and he shows up undefined Can I just tell you this though? You better be careful because his time in your life, it's for a limited amount of time. He's a traveler. Do you realize that you can wait him out? You remember the old, I remember when I was a kid, we don't sing it much anymore, but I remember when I was a kid, even my mom and my grandma would sing sing one of them old hymns, Yield not to temptation or yielding sin. You don't have to give in to what he says. I got a question. Who's the real boss here? Isn't it somehow all of a sudden the, 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 this traveler shows up and we think, oh my goodness, he's here. I have to do whatever he wants. And no, you don't. I'm not preaching tonight. I'm just talking to you. I hope you understand that. He's itinerant and yet we give him authority. He's... <laughs> He's not going to be around forever. As a matter of fact, once he messes you up, he's going to be off and gone tomorrow. Oh, but don't think that he's done with you. Don't you know he'll come back? And the more often you give in to his wishes, the more often he'll come back. Yet there might be someone here, you may say, preacher, I'm I'm beyond all of those things. No, what you're beyond in, you don't know what I'm talking about with a traveler. You have a different master. What you need is to be set free. What you need is a savior. What you need is someone that can break the bonds of sin and set you free. Do you remember the day that God set you free? Taking the next step, friend, for many people, you may know that you're saved, but yet you've given in to this itinerant traveler. You've given him authority. You've given him everything. You've given him the keys to your life. He shows up and you feel like you're helpless that you, I'm getting ahead of myself here, but you feel like you have to do what he wants you to do. Third thing I want you to see, again, let's read verse number four. We're going to read this verse a number of times here this evening. And there came a traveler unto the rich man, and he spared to take of his own flock and of his own herd. Huh. To dress for the wayfaring man that was coming to him, but took the poor man's lamb and dressed it for the man that was coming to him. Number three, I want you to write it down. He learns to impose. Oh, he will impose on you. He will impose his will on you. He will impose his desires on you. He will make you do. And matter of fact, he's not going to turn around. You know, isn't it something? How many of you, if you showed up to someone to surprise them and you figured out it wasn't a good time, you'd have turned, Can I, should I come back another time? Oh, but not this trap. Oh, no. He loves to impose on you. I'm trying to talk about where you're living. 
I'm trying to talk to you about your own personal life tonight. Yet he imposes, he imposes, he imposes his own will on you. It doesn't matter to him that he makes you feel odd. Matter of fact, take your Bibles and look if you would, please. Turn with me to 2 Kings. We're going to be back here, so keep your place there in 2 Samuel 12. But 2 Kings chapter 20. 2 Kings chapter 20. Second Kings chapter 20, and look if you would at verse number 12. The Bible says, listen very carefully, at that time, Baradak Baladin, the son of Baladin, king of Babylon, sent letters and a present unto Hezekiah, for he had heard that Hezekiah had been sick. And Hezekiah hearkened unto them and showed them all the house of his precious things, the silver and the gold and the spices and the precious ointment and all the house of his armor and all that was found in his treasures. There was nothing in his house nor in his dominion that Hezekiah showed them not. Then came Isaiah the prophet unto king Hezekiah and said unto them what said these men and from whence came they unto thee and Hezekiah said they are come from a far country even from Babylon and he said what have they seen in thine house and Hezekiah answered all the things that are in mine house have they seen there is nothing among my treasures that I have not showed them and Isaiah said unto Hezekiah hear the word of the Lord behold the days come that all that is in thine house and that which thy fathers have laid up in store unto this day shall be carried into Babylon. Nothing shall be left. Oh, why? Because there were a few men that came by and imposed on him and he felt, oh, there's another word, obligated. Oh, I'm, I must entertain them. They're so kind to have come their way. Friend, you better start seeing the enemy for what it is. You better stop being duped. You better stop being deceived. You better stop being seduced by the way of the world, by the way of the devil, by the way of your own flesh. Oh, and it makes you feel obligated. Oh, I must do this. Friend, you better stay away from the people of Babylon. You better stay away from the king therewith. He'll take your kids. He'll take your grandchildren into the foreign land where they cannot return. If you're not careful. Oh, he imposes on you. And yet we feel, oh yeah, no, he was just being kind. He's an enemy, friend. He's an enemy. You better see them for what they are. Amen. Uh, uh. How about this one? Uh, he'll make you. Let, can I? Let me read read you this verse. I've already mentioned it earlier, Genesis 3, 6. And when the, when, the, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise, what? She took of the fruit. Oh, yeah, I see what you're saying. Oh, that's a great idea. Oh, I see the worth of it now. Oh, I just had my eyes opened. You see, I was a living, a little bit narrow-minded. Oh, we were just living in a rigid society. Oh, we needed a little bit more freedom. And now that I see what you're saying, I can live as I please. Friend, we're facing that not only from a sinful nature, we're even facing that same thing in our own ranks among people that are fundamental independent Baptists. I'm not trying, I'm not trying to go that way tonight. I want you to know that's there. I'm trying to talk to you personally. I hope you understand that. But there's always a bigger picture, isn't there? But what about you? What about you? With your traveler, do you feel how he isolates you? Do you feel uh, how he uh, how he tries to demand things? He lives his little itinerant life, and yet he still imposes on you his will, and you feel like there's nothing you can do. See, let's look again, huh. chapter twelve and verse four. And there came a traveler unto the rich man, and he spared to take of his own flock and of his own herd 
to dress for the wayfaring man that was coming to him. Listen, but he took the poor man's lamb. I got a question. Who did that? In this story, wasn't it David? We see that it was the rich man that did this, right? But I got a question about this. Did it bother the traveler? Let me just say it like this. This is your number four. He longs to impair. He wants to bring you down. He wants to bring hurt into your life. Do you understand that? The traveler that you have allowed to come into your life, that you feel like you must entertain him if you're going to be a good host, the one that demands this and demands that, and what's it for? It's all for his own appetites. By the way, not once did he say, oh, listen, don't take that man's lamb. It's okay. I can do without tonight. Oh, no. He's like, yes. I don't care who it is. Just as long as it feeds me. Huh. Huh. See, that's where we're living today. And let me tell you something. There are Christians out in Colorado, as well as in Georgia, down in Rome, wherever it might be, as well as Dalton, somebody help me, that don't know what to do with the travel. It comes their way. Not knowing, not seeing, not agreeing, not admitting that he's a threat to them and to the home. I want to tell you something, man. My heart is hurting tonight. And I don't, I, it's not that I have any insights into th- anything. I tell you, he does not care who he drains. Hey, I'll do this at your expense. Do you understand that all of the, the travelers in your life, they don't mind draining you, whether it's financially, whether it's emotionally. It doesn't matter. They'll drain you socially. Uh, by the way, I am so glad for the day that God delivered me from Facebook. I just wanted to say that publicly. Amen. Oh, I understand. And our, our church is on it. That's how we get our message out. Okay, And I'm not condemning nobody if you're on it tonight. But can I just tell you this? Uh, we are, we're draining everybody else and everything is a drama. Somebody help me right there. Everything is seeing me, everything. And it's all built to create covetousness. It's all built to create the base desires of man. All for what? to make us feel better about ourselves for just a moment. Would you like to ask Samson how that worked out for him? How was the cost? Brother Samson, can you testify how this worked out for you? How about this, Mark eight thirty six? For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Isaiah 13, 11, I will punish the world for their evil and the wicked for their iniquity and I will cause the arrogancy of the proud to cease and will lay low the haughtiness of the terrible. How about Romans 6, 23? For the wages of sin is death. How about Galatians 6, 7, and 8? Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. There is no part of this that you come out right. There is no part of this that you come out on top. The devil right now would love to play Texas Hold'em with you. Say, go ahead, lay out the cards. Hey, I'll take the devil saying he'd love to take that chance with you right now. He'd love to play you for your purity. He'd love to play you for your family. He'd love to play you for your innocence. He'd love, are you listening to me, church? He'd love to play you for your loyalty. He'd love to play you for your devotion. He'd love to play you for your worship. All because the traveler has come by. And he doesn't, not only does he not care who he drains, he doesn't care who he hurts. Oh, you're going to kill his lamb? Good. Didn't bother him. You know what he was going to do? He's going to eat it for a moment and be gone. No skin off his nose. 
didn't cost him anything. And yet you are the one that labors. You are the one that tries to be faithful to God's house. You are the one that give and give freely in your own offerings. You are the one that spend time in devotion. You are the one. It's costing you. And yet, friend, when he shows up, it doesn't bother him, does it? Doesn't bother him at all for you taking your time and stealing your joy and putting you under a load of guilt. Doesn't bother him one way. Now, I'm almost done here. Let me just remind you, Proverbs 16, 25. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Amen. Can I show you another scripture here? And we'll be done. I just told you I was going to just try and obey the Lord tonight. It's just a burden, burden in my heart. You say, well, preacher, why do you think you can preach to us about it? I'm preaching to me too, friend. I've got, <laughs> there's travelers. We've all got a traveler or two or ten or a hundred or a thousand. Huh. Second Samuel 18, just a few chapters later. Because one of the questions comes up, how did it end? Preacher, at least tell me how it ended. Because right here, would you agree, it wasn't going in a good way. Well, here's the news. David's boy Absalom. Beloved. Gifted. Stole the hearts of the people of Israel and sought to destroy his own father and seek the kingly throne for himself. Are you with me? Second, Second Samuel 18. Let's look here. Verse number 2. And David sent forth a third part of the people under the hand of Joab and a third part under the hand of Abishai, the son of Zeruiah, Joab's brother, and a third part under the hand of Ittai the Gittite. Listen, and the king said unto the people, I will surely go forth with you myself also. Look at verse 3. But the people answered, Thou shalt not go forth. For if we flee away, they will not care for us, neither if half of us die will they care. But now thou art worth 10,000. By, by the way, I just want to, is everybody all right? You don't mind me just talking to you? Can I point this out? David said this. I'm not going to be isolated from the battle anymore. Stick with me. Everybody see this? What? <laughs> Isn't it something? David said, well, all right. David's getting up in years. So, all right. Well, if it's our battle, I'm going out with you too. I'm not staying back. I done learned my, somebody help me. I done learned my, my, I learned my lesson a long time ago. If there's a battle, bless God, I'm going to be in it, even if it's for my life. Because David knew in his heart, it'd be better to die on the battlefield than to live in the bedroom of pleasure. I'm going to die. If I'm going to die, I'm going to die on the battlefield. Mind me, all them old preachers, getting up and singing that old song. I'm going to die on the battlefield. I'm going to die in this war. But he would not. He said, no, I'll not be isolated again. I'll not separate myself. I, if there's a battle, count me in. And it was the people that had, at that moment, it was the people that had to deny him. Say no. And they had to say no man of God, no king, you can't do that now. What else happened here? I love these things. Look at what else he did. Verse 24. Oh. Verse 24, you there? And David sat between the two gates, and the watchman went up to where? That may not mean a whole lot to you, but it's starting to mean a whole lot to me. <laughs> Where did he get caught before? 
David presumed in his own heart, I'll go up on the roof. I'll look out over my kingdom. I'll take it in for my own pride's sake. I'll look and see what my own hand hath done. I'll see and I'll rejoice in the blessings that God has given. See, and here's the thing. He, said, he would acknowledge that God did it, but it's still his emphasis was still upon himself. It was still, I'll see the blessings that God has given to me. Until you get that turned around. But here, you don't see him up on the rooftop, do you? Amen. <laughs> I ain't going up there. I messed it up. I'll not, I'll not set foot on the roof. I'll not. It wasn't his place anymore. But what a, look at verse number 25. He wasn't going to have an itinerant friend anymore either. Look at that, verse 25. And the watchman cried. <laughs> Woo, amen, friend. The watchman. <laughs> We're not talking about a traveler. We're talking about somebody. Somebody that'll hang around. Somebody that knows the battle. Somebody say amen. Somebody that knows about the price that was given. Somebody that will not be denied. So no. I ain't going with an itinerant traveler again. I remember old Nathan standing before me. I remember Nathan telling me about a traveler. I ain't gonna do it anymore. You give me an old-fashioned watchman. Hey, church, you better get an old-fashioned preacher. You better thank God for someone that still believes in the word of God. You better learn to love old-timey worship. Hey, where's the watchman? Instead, we're too often still looking for an itinerant. Itinerant. That just sounds stupid. Now I'm starting to preach, and I told you I wasn't going to do that tonight. Itinerant. Itinerant. I'm just going to say, sounds to me like someone that likes to have satellite churches. Huh. Sounds to me like someone that loves to visit home churches. Yeah. Mm. I'm going to be honest with you, friend. The watchman in the Bible was always a type and a picture of the Holy Ghost. Unnamed, but a faithful servant. Sticking in the battle, somebody help me. And by the way, he was listening for what the watchman cried. He didn't have to see it with his eyes. Come on now. Quit being governed by your senses. That's it. You're a traveler follower. That's right. You're governed by your senses. Somebody help me. Amen. Mm, somebody. You better, better stick with me here tonight. Instead, he just said, I ain't going up on the roof. Watchman's up there. When he's ready, he'll cry. By the way, nobody ever misunderstood the watchman's cry. Amen. So many people say, Well, how do you know if the Holy Ghost is talking? Friend, if you ever have the Holy Ghost talk in your life, you'll know it. Yes, sir. You sure will. Don't talk to me about how. Let me tell you something. When God speaks, things appear. How am I going to know? What? What are you talking about? You said, let there be light and boom. How am I going to know? You're going to know. But I got news for you. He's talking right now. Huh. Matter of fact, let me just say it like this. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. The Holy Ghost is going to tell you everything you need to know. Why don't you learn to take things to the Lord and allow Him to define your life for you? He'll warn you. David would not lift up his... Matter of fact, he, when he was on the roof, he lifted up his eyes. What happened in verse 25? You see it? It's all right there. The watchman cried, told the king, and the king said, if he be alone, there's tidings in his mouth. Even verse, verse 24, David sat between the two gates, and the watchman went up to the roof over the gate under the wall, and what? Lifted up his eyes. By the way, let me just say it like this. 
If there was somebody that was bathing on the roof, it's a whole lot better for the Holy Ghost to see it than you. Or you just want to participate with the traveler. Casting, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Look at verse 33. Verse 33. And the king was much moved and went up to the chamber over the gate and wept. And as he went, uh, went thus he said, O oh, my son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom, would God I had died for thee, O Absalom, my son, my son. Let me just say it like this. Finally, he learned how to mourn over a loss. You realize he didn't shed one tear over Uriah. But he ended up weeping because he lost two sons. Are you with me? God killed the baby from David and Bathsheba. And now, Absalom was gone. Not to mention <laughs> the other young man that was killed that made Absalom mad. That's another story. I got a question. Let's have our musicians come if you will. Question is simple. Number one, I, I think it's we need to say, do you have a master that you need to be freed from? You can get saved. But what are you going to do, Christian, if the traveler shows up in your life and hasn't he? Come on now. Hasn't he come by in your life? I tell you this. You need some fathers. You need some mothers. You need somebody that's going to say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. They're going to say... To the traveler, no, get out of here. Leave me alone. Leave my family alone. Leave my church alone. We're not going your way. We're going God's way. And put an end to the travelers that come through your life. Let's all stand tonight. Right now the altar is open. If God has spoken to your heart right now. It's open. Would you come right now? Oh, wait. Oh, wait. What about your traveler? And don't think for a moment, and don't act like you for a moment, that you don't have a traveler. There's a traveler. He'll go out of his way to come to you. He'll find his way to come to you. What about your traveler? How many of you know your traveler by name? Don't raise your hand. You got a pretty good idea who your traveler is, don't you? Don't you say, God, give me victory over this traveler. I feel, don't you feel incarcerated? Don't you feel controlled? Isn't it, doesn't it make you mad how when he shows up, you feel compelled like you have to do what he tells you to do? I'm not, I'm not preaching at anybody tonight. It's how we all feel. But friend, this is for all everything in your Christian life.